0: edition of the second and goal fantasy podcast i'm calvin your host here with you as always and in today's show after giving my third bold take of the fantasy offseason i am back at last to preview quarterbacks for fantasy football in 2023 so if you didn't see the twitter post i'll say it on here now this week the tentative schedule of course for catching up on podcast episodes since it's been a while since the last one is that this episode is dropping today tuesday july 18th The RB episode will drop July 19th, the wide receiver episode on July 20th, and the tight end episode on July 21st, which actually, actually, I'm sorry, I should say July 25th, which would make us on schedule once again. So more bold takes coming, more positional previews, because it's almost that time. It's August, and this podcast is here, or it's it's not August, I should say it's almost August, and this podcast is here to help In any way regarding your fantasy drafts, we'll have a mock draft this week, potentially a special guest as well and a fantasy football draft guide episode coming up after these positional previews are finished in early August. I think it's August 1st. It's perfect timing. So plenty of stuff to happen. Another great season of fantasy football is coming up and I am especially excited for the bold take on today's episode because it is a hot one as they always are, I always go out on a limb. But I think there's a really, like, especially strong case for this one that I'm excited to make, which I believe my, of course, I usually end up picking my bold takes in the order I feel the most confident in them in. My first two were more late round guys, but I'm happy about this one because I think it's an early, it's a very early round bold take that I can still make a really, really strong case for. And so I'm very excited about that to not just take a, bold take on a random late round flyer, but rather guys who are going to be picked early in your fantasy drafts. And then we'll talk about top 20 quarterbacks, maybe a couple sleepers as well, but be sure to follow me on Twitter at Calvin underscore SGF at SGF pod for the podcast. Second goal fantasy at gmail.com is where you can send your fantasy questions. Let's do it bowl take three Damian Pierce the fantasy pros RB 21 is going to finish ahead of Tony Pollard the RB 9 on fantasy pros and half PPR fantasy football in 2023 these two guys should not be ranked where they are Pierce should be higher Pollard should be lower and here's why there's many reasons why and first let's start with the obvious Tony Pollard Pollard has averaged over five yards a carry in three of his last four seasons that much is true Yet he's also consistently split work with Ezekiel Elliott. We already saw Ezekiel Elliott, even last year, when he wasn't doing nearly as well, get 231 carries. And you may ask, of course, I mean, this seems like bad for Tony Pollard. It seems like, of course, it's taking away from his true potential. And that's why, in part, his ranking is being so inflated. But there's a reason... Then there definitely is, even though Tony Pollard is a talented running back, especially coming out of the backfield in receiving back in as a receiving back and as a change of pace guy as well. There's a reason that Zeke still saw the field and it's because even a slower Ezekiel Elliott is much more physical between the tackles and can churn out extra yards much more easily. Whereas Tony Pollard cannot, I expect we see this efficiency, the 5.2 yards per carry dropped dramatically. And it feels like people are projecting him to have five yards of carry again at this spot it's just not going to happen. The fact is, in his Tony Pollard's four seasons, we've only seen him get over 130 carries once, and he's missed two games in the last four years, or three games in the last, actually, I should, three or four games in the last four years. I'm blanking on the 17 game seasons, but he played 15 games, 16 games, 15 games, 16 games the last four years. Only last year did he get 193 carries, still was out-touched by Zeke, but there are other things that are due for regression as well. It's not just the efficiency. It's the touchdowns because Tony Pollard had 12 touchdowns. He had 9 on the ground, 3 through the air, and on not even a large workload of touches. Out of 85 eligible running backs, he was the 7th highest in touchdown percentage. That's going to go down. And I know the Cowboys offense is great, but it's expected to go down when you get guys who just don't get the um like don't get the consistent level of workload or at least haven't had that consistent level of workload. I don't expect when Tony Pollard's suddenly getting all these red zone opportunities. I mean, I expect him to have some sort of floor of rushing touchdowns, but I don't expect it to necessarily fly up. I in fact expect it to go down just because of the fact that in historically he hasn't gotten a lot of those opportunities. And I think they'll go up while slightly go up. However, of course, he's never been that guy who will pound it in for you at the one-yard line. I think I see the Cowboys, especially after acquiring Green Bread and Cooks Cooks, passing a lot at the goal line. But you've got guys at the very top, like Tony Pollard in touchdown percentages, surrounded by guys like Nick Chubb, Saquon Barkley, Dalvin Cook. Tony Pollard isn't as good of a running back as these guys. Even when you look down the board, you got guys like Joe Mixon, Alvin Kamara, DeAndre Swift, who I still think is a very great and underrated running back. Jonathan Taylor was 33rd in this percentage. He's ahead of a lot of players who are far better than he is as an RB. And I expect we see this number drop, whereas Damian Pierce... Damian Pierce only had five touchdowns and yet he was still actually number 23 in touchdown percentage, which out of 85 backs, isn't that bad. It's definitely because he got a lot of opportunities as the lead back, but I expect him on the other hand to see, a lot of positive regression in terms of that, particularly because the addition of C.J. Stroud. I think this Texans offense will be much better so that Pierce as the workhorse will have way more opportunities because you don't see a guy get 220 carries in 13 games and catch 30 passes and get five touchdowns that often. It's only in an offense as anemic as Houston's that that happens. But with C.J. Stroud coming in, you got Robert Woods, Tank Dell, Nico Collins, lots of good, solid receivers and Dalton Schultz as well. This Houston offense could be sneakily a little bit better. And Damian Pierce isn't going to lead the league in touchdowns, but he could have seven or eight or nine instead of five, and that's going to make a lot of difference for his big games. But the workload's already there, and he already showed he could do it. He had 4.3 a carry. Obviously, yards per carry isn't the most predictive stat, but with a big workhorse load in his rookie year, he handled it and was still efficient. So I see him being just as efficient, if not more so than Tony Pollard, since we know he can do it. We're going to see the positive regression in terms of touchdowns, and I think that Damian Pierce is still going to command a superior workload to Tony Pollard. Pollard probably has, he's still got that slight edge in the, passing game, which makes this ranking closer in full PPR leagues. But in half PPR, I'm still confident that Damian Pierce's workload, his red zone opportunities, and his proven efficiency with a large workload will overcome Tony Pollard, and he will finish higher in fantasy this year than Tony Pollard. And enough said about that. was excited to make that case. I think there's a very glaring hole here. I would take Damian Pierce over Tony Pollard in a fantasy draft. Obviously, there's a much better value waiting for you with Pierce at the RB 21 than taking Pollard at the RB nine. Of course, these are all recorded. We'll play these back at the end of the season. So I'll either sound smart or very, very not smart, but I'm very confident in this one, especially. So let's jump into quarterbacks. We got top 20 quarterbacks that we're going to run through. I'm going to go through each guy relatively quickly so that this episode stays short. And uh, what's the word I'm trying to think of? It's uh, short, condensed, and uh, more like, accessible, I guess could be a word you could use so that. It's not just like an hour long on and on and on type of thing. The, the numbers go up. I've found when the episodes are shorter and quicker and people, more people listen to them when it's a shorter length. So hence the adjustment, but let's go through the top 20 quarterbacks. Number one on fantasy pros is number one on a lot of boards. It's Patrick Mahomes. And I've talked about this extensively just because, I mean, there's definitely a great chance that Patrick Mahomes doesn't finish as a QB one you got rushing stalwarts like Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts, who also have great arm talent behind him. But Mahomes has been consistently so high in fantasy rankings, top three year over year, that you know he's going to be safe. You know he's going to be up there and pay a good portion of your price back at that quarterback one position. That's why he should be drafted at the top. I think with guys like Allen at two and Hurts at three, which I would be very close to flipping. Those two guys are very close for me in terms of fantasy um, because I, I, the both of them are going to be excellent as well. Allen's got all the weapons, the huge arm and the rushing ability. And of course, Jalen hurts behind that stellar Eagles offensive line is almost impossible to stop in the rushing game, going up the middle and with AJ Brown and Devonte Smith, which is just an absurd receivers core. I mean, the Titans when signing Deandre Hopkins have now <laughs> acknowledged that AJ Brown was a big missing piece for them in terms of they needed another star wide receiver. He filled in perfectly with the Eagles. He's going to continue to bump Jalen hurts efficiency because he's just that good after the catch. Like you, you would get more efficient number. You will get more efficient numbers than you would expect from Jalen hurts consistently. As long as AJ Brown is in the fold. And don't forget about Devonte Smith too. He's a wide receiver one in his own right. He would be on most teams, but AJ Brown is also dominant, even though Devonte Smith was, I believe I'll double check on this, but I think Devante Smith got more targets than AJ Brown this year. But that's my top three, and as I go check on that, I'll move to the QB4. Lamar Jackson is there, and this is deserving. Obviously, Lamar Jackson has been a little more inconsistent in recent years than those top three guys, but he's also had the really, really high upside. He had that big blow-up year a few years back, as I look and find. Devontae Smith did outcatch A.J. Brown. He had 95 receptions versus A.J. Brown's 88, which is what I thought, and I believe he out-targeted him too. Actually, no, Brown had more targets by nine, but Smith had more receptions, so was more efficient in that regard, which makes sense as Brown's more of a deep ball kind of player. But um, nonetheless, Devontae Smith still just is heavily involved in the offense as A.J. Brown, essentially. But Lamar, back to Lamar Jackson... I like the passing floor for him this year. And I think the rushing floor is there too, which makes him really attractive as a QB four could lump him into the tier of Mahomes Allen and hurts because guys like Rashad Bateman, Zay flowers and Odell Beckham jr. Are going to be very productive as not even the top option behind Mark Andrews. They'll, Give all The guys that are especially Bateman and Flowers, guys that are very, very good at getting open with Odell. Obviously, he doesn't have that downfield threat that he used to have back in his early days in his career, but he can still make highlight reel catches and push it deep, go vertical downfield. So I'm excited to see that for Lamar to have a really like well-rounded offense and a good wide receiver core for first time really ever for him he hasn't really had those elite receivers Hollywood Brown of course been gone a, for a year now he was Lamar's favorite target back in the day but i think this receiving core is more deep than any he's had before and then at the QB5 i would actually flip Joe Burrow and Justin Fields here cuz Burrow's at 5 Fields is at 6 i would flip them because i like Fields' upside more i think Fields Could be the QB one overall and Joe Burrow, despite his insane passing upside, just doesn't have the game breaking rushing ability that Justin Fields has. That's so valuable for fantasy with DJ Moore coming in. Justin Fields now has enough of a passing floor to me with him and Darnell Mooney and Chase Claypool, I suppose as well to where he has the potential to far exceed Joe Burrow. And of course, Burrow could finish higher than Justin Fields in fantasy. There's no doubt about it, but When you have a guy who has the ceiling of a QB1 and you're taking him in this range, I think that's the guy you want to go for, whereas Burrow is safer. And he's safe to be very, very good. But you can get guys in the later rounds who also have upside instead of him. You can get safe players like Kirk Cousins several rounds later. I just think the cost is not quite worth it where he's ranked. And then Burrow would be six for me, though. The QB7, and this is where it gets interesting because... There's a case to put guys like Trevor Lawrence ahead of Justin Herbert, Daniel Jones, Geno Smith. I'll talk about them all in time, but I'm going in order of fantasy pros rankings first. Justin Herbert is the QB seven with Quentin Johnston added. Austin Eckler still there. Everybody else still around Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. I don't think we're going to see Herbert get worse. We'll probably see him get slightly better but he showed a bit of a less will lesser willingness to run the ball last year, which is what scares me, which is why I, I don't quite like him as a QB seven because last year overall in rushing yards only had 147. And that's a little bit unexpected from a guy like Herbert who does have mobility. He had 302 rushing yards the year prior. So it really split in half form. He just wasn't as willing to take off with it rather to sit in the pocket. It was his lowest total of his career. So That is a little bit worrisome in terms of fantasy floor, because if he's not going to run the ball, especially at the goal line, you're not going to get those extra point boosts that you can sometimes get out of a guy like Justin Herbert. He also didn't have a single rushing touchdown. So that goal line work, especially is just scary because you're not going to get huge weeks from him. You saw that last year. He only had one week inside the top four fantasy contributors, two weeks inside of the top seven fantasy contributors at the position he had few other top 10 weeks but for the most part I mean these rankings aren't very good like he finished his best ranking was three and then had five but and then eight like no other finishes within even the top eight in fantasy football that year you shouldn't be drafting a guy at the QB7 who's only going to finish as QB8 or higher three times out of 17 because it, first of all, that's just like not a return on investment at all. But second, you can get guys like that even much later in rounds, even if Herbert was um, fit, like, even if Herbert was consistently around that range, you can get guys again, like Kirk Cousins, who will put up uh, serviceable quarterback weeks, you don't need to spend top dollar on Justin Herbert, just because he got one more receiver. Trevor Lawrence at QB8. Speaking of getting one more receiver, there's a difference between getting one more receiver and getting Calvin Ridley. And people are forgetting how good Calvin Ridley is going to be next year. Probably going to make a bold take on him because he's ranked so low in fantasy right now. He probably should be like a top 12 guy or wide receiver one of some sort. He's the wide receiver 20 on fantasy pros. This, he feels like an easy, easy breakout pick. I'm going to have a lot of Calvin Ridley on my rosters this year, not just because he shares my name. But Trevor Lawrence, I like more than Herbert because I think he's got more of the rushing upside. 300 yards about and five touchdowns on the ground. And Christian Kirk with that breakout has provided him with a capable wide receiver one who's now going to be a wide receiver two. Trevor Lawrence has led this offense. He's blossomed. Of course, he was the number one overall pick a couple of years back. And now in his next year, he's going to be excellent run the ball enough to have a good rushing floor and be better than justin herbert in fantasy deshaun watson at the qb9 this is a mystery because last year we saw him come back and we saw him just not run and you could say well i mean that's the same critique i applied to justin herbert although deshaun watson did run more than justin herbert he still picked up 175 rushing yards in six games so that's not like He's going to be like terrible on the ground. He did choose to run and run a decent amount, but just not as much as you would have hoped for fantasy purposes. Only one rushing touchdown, but his situation is nebulous, but I would at least ask you to look to the last two weeks of this season against Washington week 17. He only completed nine passes, but because of, his touchdowns through the air and a few yards on the ground was still the QB eight in fantasy that week. Then week 18 against Pittsburgh was the QB six. That's a two game sample size. And otherwise he was outside the top 12 every week, the other four weeks. So that is is scary for sure. But in those last two weeks when he was throwing touchdowns, which he had five touchdowns combined in those two games, he was putting up more numbers. And obviously you could say he's a candidate for touchdown regression from those two games, but the Browns were also not putting up very many points. I think with Elijah Moore coming in with Amari Cooper still around and this running game with Nick Chubb, no longer having Kareem Hunt, at least for the moment, Deshaun Watson will take a step forward after he's had an off season to train with the team and be back as the QB one from the start. He will have lots of upside because we saw what he did in fantasy years ago. So I think he's worth a pick at this spot. Dak Prescott at the QB 10 is pretty self-explanatory. Of course, he's got Michael Gallup, C.D. Lamb, and now Brandon Cooks. And Brandon Cooks, I think, is an underrated player who's going to have a great season as the wide receiver, too, with the Cowboys. People forget every year Brandon Cooks finishes higher than you think. And now he's got a real, real good quarterback or maybe not real, real good, but at least a solid quarterback behind center in Dak Prescott was going to significantly boost that fantasy stock. Yet Brandon Cooks is ranked the wide receiver of 42. And I was not even realizing it was ranked that low on fantasy pros. That's how far I was scrolling down. I mean, it's, it's absurd. That he's ranked as wide receiver forty two. That's absurdly absurdly low. Brandon Cooks is going to be a value next year. I'll make a bold take on him too. I'm realizing there's more and more guys I need to make a bold take on. But Dak probably going to sit around that back end QB one range. Tua Tagovailoa is interesting. He's got such great receivers with Tyreek and Jalen Waddle, both of them being deep threats. I mean, they've really helped, even though Tua doesn't have the best arm, they've still helped him get those big explosive plays in huge weeks. The rushing upside isn't there as much, only 70 yards on the ground. That's almost nothing. And the injury risk is there too, which scares me about Tua. But when he's out there, he'll be a top 10 QB for sure. Daniel Jones at the QB 12. He was a top 10 QB last year. I think we'll replicate that season again. He's getting some more receivers back with Wandale Robinson coming back. Jalen Hyatt out of Tennessee, adding some deep threat explosiveness to that offense. So with the rushing floor that he has, which some people forget about, but Daniel Jones had over 700 rushing yards and seven touchdowns. There is potential for Daniel Jones to have a big breakout. He had three fantasy finishes inside the top three QBs. He can do it just a question of whether he'll have consistent receivers this year because he only threw for 15 touchdowns through the air. I think we'll see that number rise as well. I can't wait to draft Daniel Jones at a value as well this year, just like we did last year. If you listen to the podcast, always been a Daniel Jones truther for multiple years now, but the QB 13 Kirk cousins, he finished highly as well within that top eight. Uh, of course now it's Adam Thielen gone, but he's replaced by Jordan Addison. We know what we're getting with Kirk 4,500 yards. 30 touchdowns, pretty good weeks, not crazy weeks, but very, very startable weeks. And that is so funny because I promise you, I was not looking at his stats yet. When I looked Kirk Cousins last year, 4,547 rushing yards and 29 touchdowns. That tells you how predictable he is that I just was able to know that off the top of my head because we know what we're getting. And now I'm interested. I want to check out the year before for Kirk Cousins, 4,200 yards, 33 touchdowns. So That's still pretty close, and he missed a game, so it could have been 4,500 for sure there. He's very, very consistent. He'll put up a lot of yards, a lot of touchdowns. Be a safe player. QB 14, this is a huge value for me. Geno Smith was the QB 6 in fantasy last year, and he didn't fall off in any way in terms of weapons that he has All the Seahawks did was add Jackson Smith and Jigba and add Zach Charbonnet, new first round wide receiver and second round running back. And Geno Smith's got the same weapons he had last year. 4,300 yards, 30 touchdowns. Maybe we'll see the touchdowns drop off by a couple, but I think we see the yards even increase. And even if he has a slight fall off, there's no reason to bump him all the way down from QB6 to QB14. I mean, come on now. He's not a QB2. He can play and he had 366 yards on the ground as well. There is the safe rushing floor. I mean, you don't think of Geno Smith as a rushing Q be, but he can run and scramble sometimes, and that's going to be enough to support him in some games to make them, his bad game's not quite as bad and his good game's even better. Aaron Rodgers at QB 15 on the Jets. I mean, I think he's probably being forgot about forgotten about to an extent because I think he's going to be so productive with a guy like Garrett Wilson, another new young stud at wide receiver for him that's even better than a guy like Christian Watson. We could see that Rodgers revival season making him a value as well. Last five guys, Jared Goff is the QB 16 at Tennessee, or Tennessee, Detroit, got a lot of weapons. Damison Williams is going to be suspended again, but he also put up very, almost identical numbers to Kirk Cousins, just slightly less on the yards category. Amon Ross St. Brown is still going to be huge there, and they have a new bolstered running game with Jameer Gibbs. Russell Wilson at QB 17, it all comes down to what Sean Payton can do with him. He's going to be a risk for sure, but... The, he does have a lot of upside. And I will say the fact that the guy like him is at QB 17 shows you that QBs are especially deep in fantasy this year. If you can, you should probably not take one early, hint, hint, late round quarterback strategy. If there are guys this good that you can get as a QB two, you can definitely wait and prioritize other positions. Anthony Richardson at QB 18, he probably should be a little bit higher because of that rushing Break game breaking upside he could be one of the top rushing QBs in the league in his rookie year and that means that even if he's a bad quarterback in real life he can still put up big fantasy numbers Matthew Stafford at QB 19 coming off of a big injury so is Cooper Cup but they'll both hopefully be back and for Stafford that means probably middling fantasy production because outside of Cooper Cup he wasn't going that crazy only one top 10 finish and that was as the QB 10 he's Definitely represents a teardrop from Anthony Richardson for me. For me, there's like 18 great guys. Then my sleepers for, for later. But um, Matthew Stafford is definitely a teardrop from Anthony Richardson. And then Derek Carr, the QB 20. With the Saints, he actually has solid receivers, especially if Michael Thomas can stay on the field. You got Chris Olave, Michael Thomas, and Rashid Shaheed, who was out of Weber State, and undrafted rookie, actually was like very efficient with his 20 receptions this year. I put up like 330 yards. There's not like a ton to, that we know about him just yet, but we still did see lots of efficiency in big plays that could help Derek Carr's fantasy numbers to have him as a wide receiver three. So that wraps up the top 20 QB sleepers. I like Bryce Young at the QB 23, I think is being undervalued, especially with all the weapons there, such as Adam Thielen being added to the Panthers, Miles Sanders, Hayden Hurst, Kyler Murray at the QB 24. Actually scratch that I shouldn't have said Kyler Murray because I don't think of him as a sleeper I think he's scary he might be shut down if the Cardinals are bad I don't like that using a choice on him but I do like Sam Howell at the QB 29 made a bold take on him last episode the brushing upside is there the arm is there he's got all the tools and good wide receivers lots of upside at that pick other than that um I mean I don't mind CJ Stroud at QB 25 the For redraft, you're kind of getting into the dregs there. But I would say the two main guys I like outside of the top 20 are Bryce Young and Sam Howell. And I have one of them in my Scott Fishbowl draft. I took Bryce Young. In the, it's a super flex league, so I did take him in round seven, which maybe slightly early, but also not too bad considering I think Bryce Young is going to go off. And I, I got a lot of values in that SFB draft as well. If you want to see it, go on Twitter at Calvin underscore I posted about it. Scott Fishbowl is what it's called annual tournament for charity, three, over 3,300 teams this year. Um, And this is my third year in it. Got to do a live draft in Washington, DC, Ben's chili bowl division. Shout out. It was a lot of fun. And I'm one round away from finishing my team and really, really like it. I think this is maybe, maybe it's recency bias, but I think out of the three years I've done SFB, this is the best draft I've had. And so I'm ready to hopefully make some big moves on the waiver wire as well. And, Go crazy this season. I'll keep you guys updated. But thank you all for tuning in. We got a whirlwind of episodes coming up. It's RB's next. Appreciate you listening. Be sure to subscribe, review secondgoalfantasy at gmail.com or at on Twitter at SGF Calvin underscore SGF for fantasy questions. See, when I say it out of order, I like mess up, mess it up. But it's like second nature to say it so fast now when I plug the socials and the email and stuff like that. But thank you all for tuning in. Great episode. Glad to be back. I'll see you next time.